Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. to the podcast that gets to know the hikers behind the trekking poles the podcast that gets to ask the why questions of hiking the podcast that asks hikers and outdoors persons how has hiking changed them and how are they changing the world around them that's right you're listening of course to the hiker podcast hiker podcast is brought to you by sawyer products you'll hear more from them before our interview this week and of course cs instant coffee makers of the best instant coffee you're going to find yourself on the trail and of course Canuck outdoors makers of the carbon fiber cork trick and poles you can get all their information and ways that you can get yours and help this show out in the description of this episode also before we get started big thank you to garage grown gear for naming the hiker podcast one of the 10 podcasts you need to listen to um like what was the exact title of it it's in the description it'll be there Thank you to Garage Grown Gear, and thank you to Gregory Packs. I am an ambassador for Gregory Packs, and uh, they have been supporting me in my outdoor adventures the last few weeks. They are the first um, they are the first pack manufacturer to make plus size packs for individuals, and they are very much committed to inclusivity in the outdoors. I'm excited to be working with them for the next year, hopefully longer, uh, but at least the next year. So big up to Gregory Packs. You can hear more about them in the description of this episode. For all this information, go to hyperpodcast.com, including how to get a hold of me, Andy, at Andy Feldman Hikes on Instagram and see all the weird things I do on Instagram and occasionally TikTok. I am super excited about this week's episode. Speaking of Gregory Packs, to have fellow Gregory Pack ambassador, Emmeline Wang on the show. This is straight from Gregory's website. Emmeline is passionate about protecting our planet and uses storytelling as a medium to support her advocacy work as a rock climber and backpacker she finds peace and grounding through intimately interacting with nature outside of playing in the vertical world emmeline manages all trails global social media channels and is and invigorated by getting others to fall in love with the outdoors super excited to have emmeline on the show so after a quick word from our friends at sawyer products my conversation with emmeline wang we're sawyer and since 1984, we've been creating technically better solutions for peace of mind in the outdoors. Why? Because we believe everyone deserves to be safe. We believe nature wants to be explored. We believe industry standards should be exceeded. We believe nonprofits deserve some of ours. And we believe the outdoors is a place for community from the backcountry to the backyard. We're more than an outdoor company. And we believe a thank you is due to anyone who supports our products. Because of you, we spent a decade teaming up with over 140 charities in 80 countries, bringing Sawyer water filtration systems to people in need all around the world. You help us aid refugees, disaster zones, and life-saving efforts around the world, perhaps without even knowing it. So thank you from everyone here at Sawyer. Together, we are saving millions of lives. So as many of you know, I have... Uh, been an ambassador for the last few weeks and will be for the next year f- with uh, Gregory Pax. Gregory Pax is one of the first 
uh, pack manufacturers to make plus size packs for individuals. And they are all about inclusivity in the outdoors. And I have around me an amazing group of ambassadors from all walks of life. I'm excited to have one of them on the show, Emmeline Wang. How are you doing today, Emmeline? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Go ahead and just introduce yourself, who you are, where you come from. You're on a climbing wall. You're on a trail. You run into somebody. What might you tell them? Yeah. My name is Emmeline Wang. Um, I live in Salt Lake City, originally from California. And one of the reasons I moved out to Salt Lake City was for the outdoors. Um, I mean, you put the nail on the head with climbing. It's my obsession. I got into climbing about five years ago at my local climbing gym. I had a friend bring me out to um, the climbing gym one time because I remember asking her as I was working in coffee, how do you drink two lattes and eat two croissants every day and you don't seem like you gained like a pound of weight. And she's like, Oh, I love to climb. Um, and she brought me to the climbing gym that weekend. And from there it was just history. I fell um, obsessed with it. And I think it's transcended to a point now where it's become a lot of my identity. I think when it comes to climbing, it's not just the sport itself, but for me, it's a way to connect intimately with nature um, to be able to find more of myself. I feel like when I'm in the outdoors, the world kind of grows quiet and for me, I think it's become more of a meditation and an overall lifestyle where climbing is just, it's been a way for me to improve as an individual, you know, both physically, mentally, spiritually, so that I can show up in the world, um, when, you know, when you're back in society and back at home and show up for others. So talk a little bit about your journey getting into the outdoors. You were in California, you met someone, that's how you got into, you met someone who was going to climbing gym, that's how you got into climbing, but did you grow up in the outdoors? California has a lot of great outdoor spaces, but has a lot of urban spaces that aren't really considered outdoorsy. I grew up in Ventura County, not really outdoorsy, knowing that there was actually amazing outdoor spaces around me uh, in Ventura County. But what was your story like growing up? Yeah. So growing up, I was very fortunate. I think my mom, she put us, uh, my sister and I, in all different types of sports. Like every summer was basically field testing, you know, what sport or what activity does Emmeline want to do? Um, so growing up, she put me in gymnastics to tennis camps to baseball camps, like everything you can imagine. Um, and growing up as well, we were going on camping trips, you know, annually to Yosemite National Park. At the time, it was funny because I hated camping. I hated hiking. <laughs> that might be too I, much information. I was the same way I growing think, up. I was the same way. <laughs> I was the same. I think, you know, as children, it was just like, I wanted more type two fun. It was like, oh, I want to go ride my bike outside in the court with my friends. Um, mm -hmm. And that was mm -hmm. another thing. My mom encouraged me to get outside and just run my energy out. Um, so I played a lot with the neighbors. And so getting back into like, you know, the camping scene, it's like, oh my gosh, we have to drive four hours to Yosemite. Um, we have to set up this tent. Okay. Also, fun fact, I had no idea how easy it was to set a tent up. Um, I just didn't know that we had these like three person or like three room tents that would probably take about three hours to set up because we knew nothing about setting up a tent. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why did we get the tent from Costco? We should have just gotten a basic <laughs> one that had three people. You don't need a closet. You're good. Um, and it's so much easier to set up. So those were kind of some of my exposures as a kid into the outdoors um, was camping and also like just a lot of different camps that I went through. Um, and then I think just growing up as well, like as I got more into my adolescent to adult years, uh, I played softball competitively, and then in college, I also ran cross-country. So I played two sports when I was in college, and I think the outdoors just was a big facet of my life um, growing up. 
and you get into college doing lots of sports and then get into adulthood and you kind of made this as you said before your identity the outdoors climbing backpacking you you work with several brands um you actually work for all trails now i believe what how did you make this your career yeah um you know i think for me my mom growing up i think it has a lot to do with my childhood and upbringing. For myself, my mom always just told me there were three primary values for me to keep in life. It was number one, be a kind person. You know, don't say anything bad to other people that you wouldn't want people to say about you. Um, number two is don't be a liability to society. And number three, get a college degree. Other than that, I could do pretty much whatever I wanted with my life. And so Um, one of the things she's always told me was, you know, to be yourself and find like who you are and like really try to identify what you want in your life. So when I was in college, I majored in marketing and then I didn't go straight into the corporate world. I wanted to work in my passion, which was coffee, made a pretty good splash in that industry. Um, you know, I competed in the Brewers cup, play six, play six in the nation, um, started my own coffee blog. So did a lot with that. And then I think after I realized like I wanted to do something else, that was when I moved into the outdoor industry and worked at Mountain Hardware as a community manager. Um, And then kind of like made my way, you know, made some stumbles, moved to Utah and worked at a marketing agency. And then I was like, I think at that point, I really asked myself, like, what do you want to do with your work? Because I think for me, one of the biggest things that matter when it comes to work is it has to make an impact. And I feel like I have to be engaged with it. Otherwise, if it's just for the money, it just, it wouldn't engage me for a certain amount of time. And I think most millennials feel that way. Um, So that's when I moved to all trails. It was pretty crazy and serendipitous how it happened. Um, I was interviewing with a bunch of different companies before. I've had some offers from other jobs and the CEO of all trails actually reached out to me and I was like, wait, this is so insane because I would have no idea. Like I didn't apply for this job but it was something that really aligned with my values. And I went through the interview process and found myself here. Um, and it's been a blessing ever since. Now you use this medium of the outdoors to support your ag- advocacy work um, for inclusivity, for LGBTQ rights, people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the outdoor spaces are, and I say this perfectly understanding I, I am white, straight, cisgendered male, um, and that's kind of what the outdoor industry, when you when you go to REI, a lot of times you go to these bigger places and you see the advertisements and it's changing. It is changing. And it's been cool to see the change. You see this typical outdoors person and you're like, oh, I, because I don't look like that, I don't belong. But you've been working to open up and making open up the outdoor industry and making it more inclusive and you're working right in it. So what has your advocacy work been like to make the outdoors a more inclusive space for everyone? Yeah. Um, so some of the things that I've done, it started all when I was in the Bay Area. Um, I was just became an obsessed climber and always just wanted to find ways to give back. I think climbing has given me so much as an athlete, you know, just from working with various brands to having friends who mentored me to get into the sport, who took me on my first trip out to Bishop to go and climb. I'll always be thankful for that. And I think some of the things that I just realized was that this sport gave me so much and I wanted to find a way to give back. And so when I was in the Bay Area, I started um, volunteering with the Bay Area Climbers Coalition to just be able to ex- expand accessibility to you know, climbers and also just improving the relationships with land managers 
who manage these parks just to showcase like, hey, like, yes, we're climbers, but we're also responsible and that we want to take care of the outdoor space while we do recreate in these spaces. Um, and then it just became a lot bigger as I started to work with brands. And one of the things that um, my skill sets, you know, working with brands is actually writing. Um, I love storytelling. And so just like one of the biggest, I guess, accomplishments that I personally feel proud of is working with Patagonia on just being able to talk about my identity as an LGBTQ plus climber, um, as a woman and also Asian minority in the outdoors and just how, you know, how different it is from a perspective where you have parents as immigrants. Um, and then just being able to advocate and showcase like, you know, as like Emmeline, if someone else sees me in an article or in a model shoot that they too can feel, you know, that they are included as well, that they're not alone. And then now moving out to Salt Lake City, um, I work with the Salt Lake Climbers Alliance, and then just trying to also volunteer my time with, you know, various small organizations um, to be able to just like, you know, do crag cleanups, to trash pickups, and all that fun stuff. Because I know, you know, the outdoors now growing in such popularity, it's only in, you know, increasing that impact. Do you think that increasing in popularity is the result of COVID or just people looking for more things to do? Um, what, what what would you say that why that's happening so much lately? I mean, you go to REI, they can't keep things on the shelves a lot of times. I talked to the small outfitter here in Ashland. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I have trouble keeping things in stock. It's crazy what's going on. Um, why do you think that this industry is booming so much right now? Yeah, I think it's always been growing. Um, I think that the more diversity we see, it showcases that, you know, people can go outside, whether it be at an urban park, you know, growing up in Fremont, there wasn't too much like you would say like wilderness, if you, unless you drove hours to, you know, places like Yosemite or Tahoe to go hiking or climbing. But I think now people are trying to find solutions. I think that, you know, if we just talk about anxiety, like the rates of anxiety with adolescent children are so high. I don't know the exact numbers. I'm sure, you know, we could look this up after, but I think the outdoors has always been growing. And then I think COVID was just kind of the catalyst of the explosion of the outdoors because, you know, while we're on lockdown, it's like the only safe place to go was the outdoors. No one was, no one was going to shopping malls or, you know, concerts, but the outdoors was a place like, could hike in your neighborhood and go on a walk or go to the mountains and I think now you know we're starting to see that where I think the outdoors has left a lasting impression among people who went out during COVID and was like whoa like this is rad I want to keep doing this so I think we're just seeing that continued momentum um, in the sport and also just enjoying the natural space as well and how has the industry been doing and what doing well in including LGBTQ voices, people of color, minorities, uh, underrepresented voices in the outdoor community. What are some things that they've been doing well? And in your eyes, what are some things that really still need to improve both, you know, on the big you know, the company levels and on the individual levels on the wall and on the trail? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with the outdoor industry, you know, I think companies are starting to take note that, you know, the outdoors is for everyone. I think what some of the, some companies that are doing really well, like, you know, for instance, Gregory, you and I are both a part of that company. You know, it's giving equity to, you know, people who are white, people who are Asian, plus size, you know, BIPOC, like all the above. I think that's a company I would say to look after is, you know, paying, paying creators to be able to actually do the work. 
and then also supporting them in a way where they're having holistic conversations with the community. Um, you know, also que doing questionnaires on like, you know, what do you want to see more of as, you know, for us as a company? I think that's awesome. Um, I think that most companies are taking note as well that they should be inclusive, but I think sometimes it can come across a little bit predatory. I won't name companies, but there are companies out there who are like, oh, we'll give you free gear, but can you do this event? Can you, uh, oh, yeah. yep. you know, can <laughs> yep. you also create six posts for us? Oh, you, we need you for a blog post too. Um, and it just feels a bit predatory where it's like, well, this is something you would expect where if we're on a contract, for instance, and you can't represent other companies, then you, there should be some type of payment. Like there's only so much gear can give and it doesn't pay rent at the end of the day. Um, I have so, so I many think, packs. I'm like, yeah. I mean, from other than Gregory, and I love my Gregory packs, but mm -hmm. I have these packs that literally don't fit my body that companies have sent me. And I'm like, and I can't, I can't wear this. I can't use this. And because I signed something, I can't sell it either. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, if you do like the math, it's like, you know, your image in a catalog can make a company thousands, if not mm -hmm. you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and you're getting a piece of gear. Um, that's where I think we still have to improve as a industry. Um, I also think that uh, when it comes to the creator side, just from what I've seen, you know, being in shoots, you know, if you're telling a story about an LGBTQ individual, hire someone who is a creator within that space so they understand. Don't hire them as a consultant for, you know, cis white men to create that story. Like, mm -hmm. it just kind of doesn't make sense. And I've seen it a lot where I'm like, this doesn't feel right. It feels a little awkward. Um, and I think we just need to speak out more and, you know, expose more of that so that we can do better as an industry. I'm curious about having recently gotten into the, the modeling end of things yourself and you've been doing it for a little while. What was that like for you? What was the story behind getting behind you getting into the modeling scene um, in the outdoor industry and how, how has that progressed for you? Yeah. You know, it, it all kind of, kind of a catalyst or exploded for me when I moved out to Salt Lake city um, I had a good friend who I met on Instagram, uh, Bruce Wilson, um, Three Peak Films. He's one of my really close friends and super awesome. Highly recommend that you guys check him out. Um, we had connected and, you know, just done some really just like preliminary shoots together of like, you know, improving his portfolio and then getting me some photos on Instagram. And then it just kind of, you know, cascaded from there where, you know, some of my really close friends who work in the industry, you know, do work with a lot of various brands and are like, hey, I'm going to pitch you for this shoot. Do you want to get on that? Um, that's kind of how it all happened. And being on set, like what has that, like, talk about like, your first time being on a shoot. I know for me, I, I've worked a lot on the other side of the camera. I've worked as a production assistant and doing other things. And I get on the other side and I'm just like, I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. What was that? Tell the story of that getting on set for the first time and doing your first like professional like shoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Luckily for me, my first shoot was a climbing shoot. And I think sport style shoots is so much easier than lifestyle. Say that. I think a lot of people think lifestyle shooting is, you know, very easy and chill, but I actually think that lifestyle shooting is a lot harder than sport because when you're in your sport, it's just like, oh, you're just doing your thing. You know, you're walking to the crag, you're grabbing your gear, you're setting up for the climb and you're just kind of doing your thing. And, you know, it doesn't really feel like anyone else is there. It's just like the 
photographers above you and you're doing your thing. But I think lifestyle, I would say I felt a little bit more awkward just because <laughs> I think for me, it's kind of hard to be able to know like, oh, the poses or like, oh, just be yourself. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, like, what do I do? Just tell me what to do. And luckily I have a lot of uh, close friends like Kylie, you know, Kylie Fly, I highly recommend you check her out as well. She works with a lot of outdoor brands and very established. I look up to her so highly. She usually is able to just tell me what to do. And I'm like, make me look pretty and we'll just do it from there. And it's been so fun working with her because I don't feel like it's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? It's like, cool, you're telling me to face this way. I could do that or look happy, eat your sandwich. Cool. <laughs> I remember my first shoot uh, was with Columbia. The director was having me go down. Like I had to walk down this trail like 10 times. So it was like, he kept walking, walking. And at one point he was like, okay, do that again. It's perfect. But 10% happier. I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know what 10% happier is. What am I doing here? Um, you've talked a lot. I've seen a lot. Um, you mentioned earlier about the the mental health benefits of the outdoors mm -hmm. and the amount of anxiety we're seeing uh, among, amongst adolescents is you know, through the roof. I, I, I used to work with teenagers. I have a teenager. And it's it's incredible how I've seen the outdoors affect teenagers, my kids, and myself, I'm very, I've been very open about how the outdoors um, has helped me manage panic attacks and anxiety. How has the outdoors affected your mental health, and why do you think we just now are realizing this? As 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 a whole, I mean, we've known this for thousands of years, but as a, as a, as a culture as a whole, we're just now realizing these mental health benefits. Yeah, I mean, I think as a millennial, just to kind of start it out with, it's like we are the mental health generation. I think you know, we're the generation who talks about these things where it's like, it's okay to be sad, like embrace all your feelings. Um, and I think also just being the generation that's into experiences over material. I think, you know, growing up, it, I just seeing my parents' generation, it was all about like, oh, what can we buy? What vacation can we go on? But that vacation is not necessarily like, let's go swim with dolphins. Like, oh, let's go eat at this place and buy these things. So I think that culture has shifted so much. I think, you know, there's always that, I think, stressor with millennials where it's like, yeah, like I think equity wise, we have, you know, far less net worth or wealth built than our previous generation. But I think if we're going to flip that on its head into a positive thing, it's that, you know, it's kind of like, well, we have not as much. So we enjoy, you know, these experiences. And I think just having grown up in the outdoors, it's always just been kind of my source of place where I can, you know, think, reflect meditate. Um, and it's only kind of expounded upon that as an adult, especially now I notice that, you know, when I'm on edge or just feeling not as nice, you know, to other people I've noticed, I'm like, Oh, I think it's, I need to go back outside and recharge. And I think a lot of people are starting to see that because, you know, so many of us kind of know that climate change is a real thing. And that, you know, especially during the pandemic, when mental health, I think, took a toll on so many people, the only place was the outdoors to go to. And I think that was kind of that realization as a culture that, you know, we're starting to shift towards. I mean, even just like Marie Kondo, living with less, going outside and focusing on the things that matter. I think it's changing just within like the last probably 50 years, I would say, maybe even less than that, that it's starting to shift towards that. Absolutely. How, is, how has it been? for you personally in your mental health journey being in the outdoors being on the wall being on the trail yeah 
Um, I think it's, it's honestly been my saving grace. I always tell people that and friends, like, I don't know what life would be like without climbing. Um, while it's not like all I like to do, like I love to read, you know, I love to hike. I love to go to the ocean when I visit home in California. Um, but I think the outdoors has honestly been like that source of, you know, hope as well as a place where I feel like I can have authentic conversations with friends, um, especially in climbing, because, you know, when you're on belay with your partner, it's like you're literally entrusting that person with your life in their hands. And I think there's so much vulnerability that goes into that and just being able to experience the outdoors together. There's no distractions, especially in places where there's no cell service. It's like, this is all we've got. And I think it's just a really nice time to recharge and, you know, quite literally decompress. So what would you tell someone? And I get asked this all the time. Um, they come to you like, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with my mental health, you know, and I'd like to try the outdoors as, as a part of, as a part of my, my coping skills as a part of, um, my, my therapeutic journey. What would you, and they have no idea where to start. What would you tell someone who just like, I want, I, I want to try this. I want to try the outdoors. What do mm-hmm. I do? Yeah, I think for a lot of like one of the things that I got into um, when I was in the Bay Area was actually meetup.com. Um, there's like usually like hiking groups or even on Facebook. It's that's the nice thing about social media is that, you know, there are these groups who are, you know, leading in the outdoors. And if you have the ability to plug in, it might be like a small fee or even sometimes just free where you can meet other like minded individuals um, who want to go outside as well. And then, you know, if it's like climbing, I think the climbing gym is a great place. Shout out to the peak of Fremont, which is my home gym I grew up in. It was a very family centric gym. And, you know, I like to think that they they raised me in climbing, you know. So every time I go back to visit home, it, it just feels so nostalgic because, you know, that place has raised me in that scene. And now being in the outdoors, going to Indian Creek, going to, you know, City of Rocks and all these different places to climb. It's like, that's where it all started for me. And I think the more time you spend in these places, whether it be a meetup.com or like um, a hiking group or the climbing gym, you're bound to meet people who share that same passion. So this is for me personally, I've been wanting to try climbing. I take my son to the climbing gym. He's he, he's amazing scared to death i'm a big guy I, i've seen a lot of other big people who've been on the show have climbed it's been great i live near some amazing climbing areas smith rock you know out towards bend so much mm-hmm. access to amazing climbing areas but i am scared to death still what mm-hmm. would you tell me i need to do to to maybe ease in to climbing specifically because i know a lot of people are listening like i i, I want to try climbing i want to try bouldering but mm-hmm it's scary and I'm afraid of heights. (laughs) Absolutely. I totally empathize with everyone listening to the show, including yourself, Andy. Um, You know, when I first went to the gym, I started bouldering and I think just having, you know, making friends at the gym who are just there to cheer you on. One of the coolest things about the climbing community is that many people are supportive. I think that's one of the reasons why so many people love bouldering. It's accessible. All you have to buy is a chalk bag and a pair of shoes or, rent a pair of shoes and a chalk bag and you're set at least in the gym you know when you get to the outdoors it's kind of like it involves a little bit more gear um but i think just having a supportive community helping you break through those boundaries is one of the aspects um i know the first time i top roped it was a 30 foot wall and i was like oh my gosh i was hyperventilating i was like i need to get down right now 
So now just looking down, like we were just in Indian Creek and I climbed this 180 foot route. And I'm like, oh, it's so weird how like I used to freak out about 30 feet and now there's 180 feet. And I think there's a lot of resources out there as well to help with that. Um, one of the books that I really like is called The Rock Warrior's Way. It talks a lot about the mental game of climbing because while I think a lot of people who aren't into climbing think it's very physical, so much of it, if not like 80 to 90% is mental. I think that's kind of how you can overcome those fears just like by doing it over and over again, you know, reading books about, you know, just the sport itself. And then also like when it comes to rope climbing, I think understanding the mechanisms of each piece of gear helps to really alleviate that fear over time. Um, that was one of the things I was just talking to my partner about, like about auto belays. It's like, you know, for instance, with auto belays, if you, the only way that the system can actually fail is if you clip yourself in and you continue to climb and it's not taking up slack, then you will fall the same distance of whatever the auto belay hasn't taken up slack. You should let a gym staff member know immediately. But if it's taking up slack and then you're coming down, there is no absolute way for the system to fail itself. So I think understanding the systems and how they work, the mechanism of it also alleviates some of that fear of climbing. Cause that auto belay freaks me out. My son uses it and I'm like, I, I I'm depending on this little machine thing to do mm -hmm. it. He climbs right up these 30 foot walls and down and just comes right down. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> There's no Hopefully one. Hopefully that helps. It, 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 it does. It does. Cause I just, I know there are a lot of people out there who, who listen and bigger people like myself who, who want to take up climbing and there, there, there's, there's access for that now. And there's, there's gear for uh, gear for plus size people now for, for climbing. And it's just like, how do I get over that mental hump of just, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to at least try bouldering. I'm going to rent a pair of shoes, get a chalk bag and just do it. And you know, the ground's pad, padded at the gym. It's going to be okay, but still it's just this mental hurdle for me to get totally. over it. Like I can so go, much I can get, of it is mental. Exactly. I can go hike up, you know, hike up a mountain, but climbing, that's just, that's just different for me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> for sure. And there's some social media, like, you know, creators out there who are, you know, killing the game. Like I highly recommend checking out Drew Climbs Walls. Drew, um, yes. He's been on the show. Love Drew. Yeah. Drew Holsey is awesome. Like just talking so much about body t positivity and just breaking boundaries in the outdoors when it comes to climbing. Like he's a figure that I super look up to as well. And I'm just like, keep killing the game and just, you know, showcasing that climbing really is for everybody, like quite literally. And that's the cool thing about climbing, I think, is that, you know, it's not a homogenous, it's not going to serve just a homogenous sized or, you know, person who looks a certain way, like basketball, for instance, like in basketball, it would really help if you're taller than if you're shorter, unless you want to play point guard the whole time. Um, but with climbing, it's like, there's problems and routes for short people. There's routes and problems for tall people like of all ages and sizes and it's just really like the technique and how you move that can really change how you know you would climb a route or a problem which is awesome i think that's the really cool and enticing part about climbing awesome appreciate that but closing out here and i like to ask everybody this who comes to the show ultimately how has the outdoors changed you yeah um i think for me it's through connecting intimately with outdoors, it helps me become a better person when I'm interacting with others. Um, I also think that mentally it's provided me so much clarity and more so, you know, really focusing on what's important in my life. I would say that's how the outdoors has changed me. Awesome. If someone wants to follow you or your journey or check out what you're doing on Instagram, where would they go? 
Yeah. My Instagram is at Emmeline Wang, just my first and last name, E-M-M-E-L-I-N-E, and last name W-A-N-G. Awesome. Emmeline, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story and your insight to the outdoor and climbing industries. And just thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Andy. Big thank you to Emline for coming on the show and being so awesome. Make sure you follow her on all the various social media networks uh, on Instagram at Emmeline Wang and check out everything she's doing on her website. All the all the all the, 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 the pertinent information will be in the description of this episode. And also, if you go to hikerpodcast.com, um, you click on podcast, you see the episode. All the show notes are on each individual one. You can stream it there great way just to get information you may want to get quickly maybe it's hard you're on spotify it's hard to cut and paste and maybe the link's not working right because it, it it's weird so anyways big thank you to emily for coming on the show and being so amazing um if you want to find out more about the hiker podcast go to hikerpodcast.com also 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 you can follow me at andy films and hikes um, just want to again thank you all for being so amazing I do want to plug something really quick I do have a Patreon Patreon is a way that if you'd like you can support me on a monthly basis support the show on a monthly basis support, support what I do um, everyone who everyone who's subscribed to any level gets when available <laughs> early access to all of the uh, episodes of the podcast as soon basically as soon as they're edited I put them up there first and they come new episodes come out every Tuesday to the public and hopefully I'm actually going to get quite a bit ahead here pretty soon. So like literally there could be like five episodes already out. My, my goal is to have like episodes just lined up already out there and then everyone else can listen to them and more and more people can get stuff. Also, there's ways to get stickers and other things through um, the Patreon there. Just go to the link in the descriptions episode to find out. And uh, yes, yeah, so thank you all for being so supportive of me being so awesome. And uh, remember, as you go out into the outdoors, as you are recreating make sure that you are doing everything you can to you know leave only footprints and take only pictures make sure that you are leaving it better than you found it we are getting into fire season of course and things can get a little crazy especially if you're in the west guys thank you so much it's been amazing thank you for listening to this week's episode of the hiker podcast mm-hmm.